You're at a barbecue with a bunch of friends and family. You invite your best friends to bring their friends and you have a great big get together. One of your friend's friend comes up to you and says, Hey, uh, I'm a vegan. I, I don't eat any meat or animal products, but I did bring this plant-based meat with me. And so you politely say, okay, we'll grill it up for you. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, plant-based meat? Well, what is that? And so you quickly go to your cell phone to Google, what is plant-based meat? But unfortunately, you cannot find any substantive information. It's all from different companies, and you know that those companies are obviously going to be biased trying to sell their product. So you know what you do? You're a listener of the science behind that. So you grab yourself a steaming hot cup of coffee, put in your earbuds, and you listen to today's episode of the science behind that. Welcome to the science behind that with Atticus Hamilton. Hello all you scientists out there, and welcome back to the Science Behind That podcast. I'm your host, Atticus Hamilton, and as you heard from the intro today, we're going to be talking about plant-based meats, also known as meat analogs. You know, these are things that these days are, are becoming more and more popular as people, I guess, learn about where their food comes from. Um... Now, I didn't realize it was as a controversial topic as it is um, until recently. I made a a vegan mad by talking about the science behind these food items. Um, And I didn't realize it was such a controversial issue, but apparently it is. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Now, before we get started, I want to let you guys know what my stance is about the whole thing. Of course, I'm a meat eater. I love I love meat, you know, I love bison, I love seafood, all that sort of uh, sorts of things. But I, I always make sure, at least when it comes to seafood, that it is sustainably sourced. Bison in the United States of America tends to be pretty sustainably sourced these days because there's no such thing as hunting wild bison anymore uh, for meat. So they're all farmed sustainably for the most part. I've never heard of a factory farm for buffalo, so <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, and as when it comes to seafood, there are many ways that seafood can be sustainably sourced, such as MTA or multi-tropic aquaculture. And if you guys want to hear an entire episode on MTA, uh, you know, let me know, and maybe we can do that. And finally, the thing that I'm a big, the biggest advocate of is lab-grown meat. I think lab-grown meat and MTA is probably the future of food. Um, but I've never really been a, an advocate for plant-based meat because of everything that's in plant-based meat and the the what we have to go through to get the ingredients within plant-based meat. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, go grab yourself a nice steaming hot cup of coffee, add a little bit of maple syrup in it, and we're going to jump into today's episode. So for today's episode, at least when it comes to what is in plant-based meat, all of my research comes from a research paper titled An Investigation of the Formulation and Nutritional Composition of Modern Meat Analog Products. And um, this uh, paper was written by Benjamin M. 
Boyer, Boher. If you are listening to this, I am sorry, I cannot pronounce your last name. And it was published um, by the Department of Food Sciences University of Guelph in uh, Guelph, Ontario. And for, I know there's, I have a lot of Canadian listeners. I'm so sorry if I pronounced that horribly wrong, which I'm sure I did. Um, but this paper was published in the um, Journal of Food Science and Human Wellness. And um, it, it was actually a really interesting read. I will attach the link to this in the description below the episode. So if you guys want to read this paper, you're more than welcome to. And so, so we, to allow us to define what is and what isn't healthy, because the biggest misconception with plant-based meats is that they're healthier than real meat. And um, at the end of today's episode, hopefully um, we can dispel that misconception And so to define what is and what isn't healthy, we're going to rely on two-ish criteria. The first criteria is um, a food that either raises HDL or high-density lipoprotein or does not raise LDL is considered either healthy or neutral. And then a food that does not lower your metabolism um, through any variety of means, will can also consider healthy. Um, and so today we're going to talk about what are plant-based meats, and we're going to break them down into th- uh, component groupings, right? We're going to break them down into protein content, fat content, and sugar content. And of course, we're going to compare that to real meat. So starting off... Um, Plant-based meats, there's no actual plants in plant-based meats. And um, I just want to put that out there because uh, I know a lot of vegetarians eat plant-based meats. um, But there isn't actually any plants in plant-based meats. It's all extracts. And in fact, the Food and Drug Administration defines, uh, and the WHO, defines a plant-based meat as an ultra-processed food. We're going to talk about why that is. So first, number one thing for a a, a meat substitute or a meat analog that we have to be mindful of is protein, right? So not all proteins are the same. And I think this is something that many, many people believe that all proteins are considered equal. But in reality, not all proteins are the same. And in fact, a lot of the proteins that we find in plants are actually non-digestible. They're non-metabolizable. The body is um, not able to utilize those amino acids to build our own proteins. And this gets down to something called stereochemistry. So a lot of plant proteins are in a different stereochemical conformation than animal proteins. And animal proteins are going to be our reference point for what is and what isn't metabolizable. And so for the purposes of this, we're going to say that animal proteins are 100% utilizable by the human body. But very few plant proteins are at this level of um, 
of uh, utilizable by the human body. And in fact, many are only 40% or 30% utilizable. Now, soy, soy protein is the most common substance added to um, meat substitutes. It is in, in almost every meat substitute. And the reason is because when you take soybeans and you process them a lot or you ultra process them into a soy paste or a soy protein, what you get is you change the stereochemistry of that plant protein within the soy into a form that is actually utilizable by the human body. Um, and that is really important because if you did not ultra processed soy, it would not be of any use to the human body and we couldn't derive any um, uh, use out of the amino acids within that those protein molecules. And so that is something to note that in a lot of plant-based meats, at the very least, almost all of the soy protein is able to be used by the human body. Um, now, there is an issue here, though, which is soy protein itself lacks methionine. And methionine is an essential amino acid needed by the human body. So if somebody is deriving their sole protein content from soy-based, plant-based meats, they would be deficient in methionine because it just doesn't contain that. Now, there are only a few plant-based or meat alternative sources that give you 100% protein utilization. So ultra-processed soy is one of them. Another one is mycoprotein or protein from mushrooms. That is really good. Um, we are able to use 100% of the protein within mushrooms. And of course, the third one is seaweed. We are able to use 100% of the protein within seaweed. But neither seaweed nor mushrooms are plants. And in fact, according to my research, there's only one or two based or a lab, no, not lab based, plant based meats that actually contain mushroom protein. The majority of plant based meats contain soy, and that's about it. And that is their sole protein source. Now, so we've established protein, and this is a big issue with people who only get their protein from plant-based meats, this is a big issue. We see a lot of protein deficiencies. Um, the average adult male will need around 60 grams of protein per day, where the average adult female will need about 30 grams of protein per day. And individuals who derive all of their protein solely from plant-based meats, we often see major protein deficiencies um, because... Either the plant-based meat items do not contain, um, you know, they do not contain protein sources that are 100% metabolizable, or um, they are lacking in specific amino acids like methionine. So while plant-based meats do provide protein, it is important to note that compared to real meat, not all of it is metabolizable. And... Um, if one of you guys out there is, a, is uh, on the vegan diet or a vegetarian diet, this is something to pay mind to. And this is something to be mindful of. 
is that plant-based meats in terms of protein only, some of them will provide a lot of protein, but virtually none of them will provide all of the protein you need in your diet. Moving on to fats. So when we're talking about fats, we have to make an important distinction. In the 80s, it was thought that eating saturated fat is um, what was the primary contributor of obesity and heart disease. Of course, today we now know that to be false. And in fact, the primary contributor to obesity and heart disease is sugar, right? And you may be saying, well, Atticus, so are fats good for you? Saturated and unsaturated fats are good for you. Trans fats are a different story, but those are synthetic fats uh, that are banned in the United States because they're really bad for you. But that's neither here nor there. Um, Saturated and unsaturated fats are good for you. In fact, the human body needs saturated fat because the human body converts saturated fat into a molecule called the ketone body. And ketone bodies are the primary energy source of the heart and the brain. And we need those for our heart and our brains to function at maximum capacity. Now, where does that leave plant-based meats? Well, plant-based meats are in a difficult situation because just the plant-based extracts in of themselves, like soy, they do not contain a lot of unsaturated fats. And this is especially important is that most plants don't contain any significant amount of saturated fat. And our bodies need saturated fat along with unsaturated fat. So manufacturers, as a result, have to add fats from alternative sources. The most primary source is soybean oil, rapeseed oil, coconut oil, palm oil, and coconut butter. Now, coconut butter is a saturated fat, but just like with proteins, there are stereochemical differences between plant-based saturated fats and animal-based saturated fats. Um, and unfortunately, the, the research in that area is lacking compared to research in stereochemistry of proteins. So I can't say one way or another if the differences in stereochemistry of, of plants to animal fats make a difference in overall metabolism. But what we can say is that the oils and the, the lipids, the lipids that manufacturers add to meats come from, um, come from plants that do cause destruction to the natural environment. Soy is the number one component of um, plant-based meats. And soybean farms in the Amazon alone have destroyed 21 million hectares of Amazon rainforest. In total, there's about 81 million hectares of soy farms in Brazil, and a large majority of those soy farms are actually encroaching on the Amazon River Basin. Now, it is important for me to note here that a lot of, those, a lot of that soy, around 60%, does go to the biofuel industry, which personally I'm against. I don't agree with biofuel. Most of it is, is harvest, harvested in, an, in a horrible way as with soy. Um, and it doesn't solve the problem of global warming, but that's for another episode. 
So most of the soy in these soybean farms are um, used for the biofuel industry. However, the plant-based meat industry currently is valued at 27.4 billion US dollars and it's expected to grow by between 7 and 12% over the next 5 years. Now, that demand will at minimum contribute to a plus 6 to 12% increase in the demand for soy um, around the world. And the majority of soy in the world comes from um, South America because of the climatic, because of the climate conditions that are there. They're just perfect for growing soy. And so because of that, it is feasible to say it is logical to say that as the demand for plant-based meat increases, the number of hectares of Amazon lost to soybean farms will increase as well because a large percentage of the soybeans from those farms still go to plant-based meat. Now moving on, other than soy, we all know the problems with coconut oil and palm oil. Palm oil in the in, in Asia has contributed to a massive loss of old growth tropical forests. And all of these sources, all of these all of these items, soybeans, soybean oil, palm oil, coconut oil, all of these are in plant-based meats. So overall, it, it would appear that at the very least, plant-based meats are as destructive for the environment as the ag- as the animal agricultural industry, because the the plant-based meats serve as a source of demand for soybean, soybean oil, palm oil, coconut oil. And you may be saying, well, Atticus, I thought we we're talking about how this impacts human health. Well, if you affect the health of the environment, you affect human health. And so everything is interconnected. And it's important to um, point out this distinction here because very few people or sources of information that I've seen do. So ultimately, from a non-environmental perspective, from a human health perspective only, in reality, plant-based meats are, are rather good. They, they have a lot of times more oil than um, steaks do, than real meat does. Um, but again, fats, at least saturated and unsaturated fats, are not bad for you. The only issue here is that plant-based meats, again, do not contain enough saturated fat to make it feasible as the sole source of nutrients in an individual's daily diet. Now, moving on to the last and, in my opinion, the most important part of this talk, which is sugar, i.e. carbohydrates, right? Now, as we all know, real meat contains zero sugar, right? It does not contain any carbohydrates. It does not contain, you know, except for the DNA within the cells that make up the meat, but obviously we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is fructose, and cellulose and methylated cellulose and real meat contains none of this however plant-based meat contains a lot of this the reason for this is first off manufacturers have to add something like 
cane sugar or sucralose or not sucralose, sucrose or um, uh, potato starch to their plant-based meats for it to taste good because two things contribute to overall flavor in food items. Well, three things, sugar, salt, and fat. And as we've established, plant-based meats, while they do contain a lot of unsaturated fat, they don't contain that much saturated fat compared to real meat. And so you have to replace that flavor somewhere, and a lot of times it ends up being from with sugar. Now, fructose, which is half of a sucrose molecule, is a very destructive molecule. Glucose is good for you. We all need glucose, but fructose is not very good for you. Now, fructose goes through a series of complicated metabolic pathways, which ultimately produce a compound called LDL. And for those of you who don't know what LDL is, LDL is bad cholesterol. LDL stands for low-density lipoprotein. Now, why is LDL bad? LDL is bad because it's less dense than blood. And so what happens is when somebody consumes a lot of sugar, um, or a lot of trans fat, but again, that's a different metabolic pathway, their LDL levels elevate because they produce a compound called VLDL, which becomes LDL. Long story short, their LDL levels elevate. And when they elevate, that low-density lipoprotein kind of, it almost like precipitates out of the blood because it doesn't really ever dissolve into the blood. It kind of floats along the surface of the blood. And so it coats an individual's arteries and veins, the inside of them, the vaso and arterial endothelium, with this LDL protein. And so what happens then is our immune cells recognize it, and our macrophages think that this LDL is a pathogenic threat. So they eat it. Now, when a macrophage eats LDL, it turns into something called a foam cell. And foam cells are immobile cells that are the primary component of plaques in arteries or atherosclerosis. And plant-based foods at least have some fructose in them because it has they have manufacturers have to replace that taste that they lost because there's no there's not real sources of saturated fat in there. And so they add sugar or some sort of starch to add that flavor, to increase that flavor. Now, the biggest problem with plant-based meats when it comes to carbohydrates is something called methylated cellulose. Now, I would say, at least from this study, around 60 to 80% of the um, brands surveyed in here, and I'm not going to say any names, I don't want to get sued, at least 60 to 80% of the brands listed in here contain methylated cellulose. And you may be saying, well, what's methylated cellulose? It's a cellulose molecule with a methyl group attached. And cellulose is fiber, right? It's dietary fiber, cellulose is. Methylated cellulose is not dietary fiber. What methylated cellulose does is manufacturers have to add it or something like that to plant-based meats. It's basically, it's either methylated cellulose or xanthan gum or sorbic acid or, or some sort of gum to glue everything together. Because if you did not add methylated cellulose to a plant burger, we'll say, 
it would fall apart. It, it wouldn't stay together. Because what the methylated cellulose does is when it's ultra-processed within the plant-based meat, it basically forms a spider web of sugars that kind of interlock with one another and the other ingredients in that plant-based burger or sausage or chicken nugget or whatever it is, and it holds it together and it provides a texture and consistency similar to that of real meat. The issue with methylated cellulose is that it decreases your metabolism. And how does it do that? It does it like this. Met we have not evolved to digest cellulose. That's why it's dietary fiber, right? Cellulose is undigestible by the human body. Because cellulose is the composition of a plant cell wall. So herbivores have evolved to digest it with the help of protists in their stomach, but humans can't. And so methylated cellulose is no different, except what happens is that methyl group attached to that cellulose molecule changes the functional chemistry of this molecule. And so what happens is when it's in the gut, it turns into a black sort of viscous-like substance, a tar-like substance. And the issue is it can block you up. Now, I'm not saying cause constipation. It, it decreases the efficiency of your intestines at absorbing nutrients from food. So in a way, it will inadvertently make you hungrier. And the more you eat of it, the more hungry you'll get. Because this viscous-like, tar-like substance decreases your metabolism, and it decreases the efficiency at which you can absorb nutrients from your food. Now, substances like um, xanthan gum, those substances, we actually haven't found any negative side effects of it. So if you out there, if any of you guys out there are vegan or vegetarian, and you're like, well, Atticus, you know, how am I going to find a, because I like me, I just don't like the idea of killing animals. So how am I going to find a plant-based meat alternative? Well, the biggest thing to look for is to look for something that contains mycoprotein, or mushroom protein, right? And to look for something that does not contain methylated cellulose. And that is an important distinction because it's that methylated cellulose that is probably one of the biggest risks uh, to human health because no one wants to have a slow metabolism and no one wants to feel hungry all the time. And that is one of the inadvertent side effects of methylated cellulose. So ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, it was a lot of fun for me to make, and I, I want to thank um, all of my sources for their help with this. Um, my biochemistry class was one of them. <laughs> um, but I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I hope you guys have a fantastic Monday and a great week. I will see you guys all again on Friday. And until then, remember, ladies and gentlemen, stand up and question everything. <laughs>